You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Hello, Michael. Andre Prue, it's back for the Gibson House of Wine. Yes, you saw the you saw the marquee. I actually have a marquee up. Yes, it says Gibson House of Wine. So I was like, what? Uh, then I realized why, so I figured it out. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you wanted me to give your address. So I, oh, I think people can figure it out. I think there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are just flat out open invite to the, to the house. And we're joined by a special guest. Yes, today and uh, this podcast, and then we're going to have another one coming up. Uh, we're uh, really focusing on Cab Franc, so um, mm-hmm. we oh, have yeah, brought back a swear jar. Oh, oh yes, shoot. please do. Shoot, she says. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, no, I, I, well, no, but it's always when we have to explain that we're focusing on Cabernet Franc because of me hijacking the podcast last year with the C word. So we brought Allison back, and she is going to... First, I don't even know what she's doing. She just pulled out bottles of Cab Franc. And then we are going to play a little Stump the Chump, uh, and that'll that'll play a little bit later on. So there Rock are two roll. podcasts that Allison's going to, we're going to see if she, you know, put her money where her mouth is. <laughs> where, you know, we're we doing I Stump love the, the Chump, Chump I love the Stump the Chump because it creates. So for people who don't know, Allison on Instagram is Cab Franc Chronicles. And I was excited to get her on, like, way earlier in the, the creation of your account because, like, I'm just, I'm drawn to good content. The content, like it's a really, really good account, but you need to know a few things, but you'll also learn a few things. Some to that nature, yeah. yeah. Because the every Wednesday is quiz day, and there is an exclusive club of people who got a hundred percent. But you have like literally hundreds <laughs> so of people true. who have taken this <laughs> test, and like it's a tiny number of people who have got a hundred percent on it. Correct. Every time? No, no. It, there's now a leaderboard for the. Oh quiz. really? Oh, oh yeah, okay. yeah. There's a quiz le- leaderboard. So I. Uh... Not that I'm really proud of this, but uh, Tim Hortons has a, um, uh, a hockey thing on their app, and I've been doing that for for a while. You have to pick who's going to score goals that night. Okay. And uh, I think as of this morning, I was one hundred and seventy eight thousand and twelve on the leaderboard. So uh, right on. Yeah, so, which was up from my two hundred and eight thousand. So I'm, Alice, I'm moving what, along. what are we doing here? You've pulled out a half dozen bottles, um, and. Some of the producers we know, some of the producers are friends of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we start. We started, she poured us the 2020 uh, Cab Franc from Vineland, which yeah. we tasted on the podcast not too long ago when we had Brian on. Yeah. And we feel really bad because Allison opened it up and we said, we've tried it before. It's a delicious bottle of wine, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you, you shotgunned it. I did. I did. I did. I was my, it's the first wine of the day and the first wine of the day goes down like a shot. You, you you shotgunned it like a kid like shotguns PBR at a college frat party. Yeah, I just I, I knew what the wine was. And I wanted to get on to the next thing. Yeah, this um, Brian's entry level Cab Franc is is my house wine. Um, there's always a case uh, in in my apartment for those moments when I don't want to think because it's just it's crushable. It's you know great value, and he makes such a great wine. And every vintage is fantastic. And the 2020s. Is banging. Um, and it's fourteen ninety five, right? Fourteen ninety five. Like, yeah. like I remember when it was twelve ninety five, and it was banging yep. at that point. And then you the know, price freeze wasn't even that long ago, but even at fifteen bucks, I think I think it's one of the I think the nice things about the pandemic is people are willing to spend a little bit more to support local. And I think there's been a little bit more chatter, you know, with wineries doing direct to consumer that they actually get to keep more money in their pocket when they get to do that. Yeah. But I know, like people like Brian. I remember, I guess it was last year, two years ago, where he was at risk of losing the general list listing at the LCBO. And I, I know that that wine and being on the general list of the LCBO is very important to Vineland. Yeah. 
yeah, he had to, uh, you know, sometimes you rush it out, and but I still think he does a great job on it. And um, I think it's it's cool, like, because in, in 2020, I, I know it's one of the things in, in Ontario in, like, a hot vintage, um, those green notes generally don't exist. Period. Not at all. And I, I think you and I may have discussed on the podcast a long time ago whether green notes even belong in Cabernet Franc. But I, there's definitely like a slight. Yeah, I a slight don't think green they do. Notes. I think Ontario is being really good about taking it out. Uh, I know that in Loire they keep it in. That's my my. You know I'm, why I'm telling Allison this. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but I I think I find it more in Loire than I do in. in yeah, and I think there's a misconception that um, that Niagara is cool, like as a as a climate, because really. We're a lot warmer than what a lot of people assume we are because we think of our extremes as far as winter and um, those conditions. But in reality, our summers are quite warm. So um, it's more a factor in terms of when that green comes through when we haven't had enough sunshine, which is, for me, the bigger issue is when the sunshine isn't there. And we've had too, too much rain or a really overcast growing season is where we see the green, not so much temperatures. Oh, that's interesting. Well, let's not talk about this year. Well, yeah, okay, so what, So what's the first wine besides the Vineland 2020? So there's something else so, in my glass here. I haven't oh. shotgunned this one. Yeah, Andre. And, why, and so, why are you pouring it, I guess? That's, that's the, so the, the whole thing for... that I kind of wanted to, to kind of talk about is um, Cap Franc is one of those core varieties for, for Ontario, for Niagara, and we're starting to see now um, really distinctive styles coming out of sort of the two main growing regions. We have, of course, the Escarpment, and then we have Niagara-on-the-Lake. And what I really wanted to kind of showcase today, and of course there's different vintages here and different winemaking approaches, but we're starting to see some very distinctive styles coming from um, the bench versus Niagara-on-the-Lake. So this first wine is um, near and dear to my heart. This is from the Boutique Vineyard, and it's the Clone 214 from uh, Vineland Estates. Mm. And um, these wines were planted in 2006. And this is like quintessential, for me, quintessential sort of escarpment Cabernet Franc. It's a little leaner. It's a bit sort of more nervy in terms of that kind of acidity. You have more impact of the limestone. It's a cooler region compared to Niagara-on-the-Lake as well. And what vintage did you say that was? This is 2017. 17. All right. It doesn't have that intensity that I would assume from 2017. Oh, I um, think it has plenty of intensity. Like, I, I, the thing I find unusual about Bench Franc is when it's got, like, cassis. And this smells like blackcurrant jam, but it doesn't have that, like, jamminess and California in Density to it, like it's like. But the, the you know, I, I bought some like fresh black currants from up yep. the street last year, and this this tastes like fresh black currants. And that's the thing with seventeen as a vintage, um, which is a vintage. I think you know we always talk about these warmer vintages like twenty and sixteen, twelve, ten. Um, but a vintage like twenty seventeen, we had that nice Indian summer that kind of came through September, yep. October. We're nice and sunny, dry, and that's what Cab Franc needs is that sort of dry conditions yep. and lots of sunshine to burn off those pyrazines. I noticed more green notes on eighteens versus seventeens because we had, yep. um, you know, all that rain in, in eighteen, kind of very similar to this year as far but as. The, but the seventeen it does to me, it does seem a little bit on the lean side. Yep. It's probably yep. because of the. Because of the uh, rain we got during the but, but during the lean, growing right. season, it's it's lean. It's ripe. It's ripe. Like, but it's this it's, is this this is this is definitely like a, a food wine. But it's really I don't know. It's it probably, I just love the magic of, of 2017. Like, it, pro it probably wasn't good to follow this the the 2020 with <laughs> the 17 because the 2020 is just such a like it is a fruit bomb, uh, where this one is a little more delicate. Mm -hmm. 
So. But I'm also getting more complexity on. Uh, granted, it's a it's a step up. Like I think it's spent oh, a little bit more time absolutely. in barrel. This is this is I know one of Brian's baby babies. Like he puts a lot of pride and love into. I remember when he was putting the call out on Facebook for label design on yeah. this. Like he was just so proud about putting this together. And you know, well, well, I love I know, it when that passion gets reflected into the bottle. Well, I know he wants to. Well, when he finally has what all six or seven or eight of these clones that he's going to do, he's going to come on and we're gonna we're gonna talk to him. But I think he's still a couple of years away from getting all of those online. So we're gonna have to, you know, you know, bust a move or something and get them on before that. So we I was trying to find a way, like, a, to make a, an obscure Star Wars reference about Clone Wars, but like, that movie was bad. And I haven't watched the cartoon. <laughs> so speaking of clones, this is the clone two fourteen. <laughs> thank you, thank you for saving me. <laughs> I was just gonna stare at him until such time as. So clone two fourteen. This is there's basically three authorized Cupfront clones uh, that are allowed here in Ontario. Uh, but there's really only two that are predominant, 327, which is a Bordeaux clone, and then 214, which is the Loire clone. And the Loire clone tends to have this real kind of floral impact for me, <clears throat> excuse me, in particular, um, whereas uh, the, the Bordeaux clone tends to have a bit more of that sort of cedar kind of, um, kind of, I don't want to use the word masculine, but certainly a bit more of that sort of cedar, darker toned kind of fruit going Does on. Does muscular work? We've, muscular we've could to work. Muscular. Did we do that? <clears throat> yes, muscular versus elegant. Oh, and then things can be both. Yes, this is oh, true. All right. Um, okay, I didn't know we had switched. This is a new one to me. But yes, I know Brian's exploring trying to get more Cab Franc clones in. Um, so how many, we how many clones are there? I guess I guess that's <sighs> a, a, a tough question. Um, but I mean, are the main ones? Like, let's say if we're talking like Bordeaux and Loire, because I still think there's a little bit of that. I think in terms of, it depends on the register, but I think there's somewhere upwards to 40 or 45 different Cab Franc clones. Really? Um, so yeah. why is the list only uh, limited to three? Because it's that's BQA. Canada. No, yeah. it's, it's the Canadian government hasn't authorized more than the, you know, basically these three clones. Like, uh, comparatively, I was in the Finger Lakes back in July, and they have, because they have access to UC Davis, they have like 20 some odd different clones of Cab Franc in the Finger Lakes because they have access to more clonal material. I need to go back and visit though, because I, I don't remember Cab Franc being particularly it's, strong in the Finger Lakes. They're nope. still, they're still, they're still figuring, figuring it out. It feels like Canadian <laughs> wine in the, in the 90s. In yeah, the they really, well, 80s more like it, but, or 70s sometimes. So s staying on the escarpment, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't um, show another exceptional vineyard for Cabernet Franc. Oh, friend of the podcast. Um, yes, definitely friend of the podcast. Because uh, I would oh, say yeah. this is the 2015 Fogelar Bocconi Vineyard uh, Cabernet Franc. And if there was a Cab Franc that kind of sealed the deal for me, it was probably one of the Ravine Pocconi Vineyard Cab Francs from probably 07 or 2010, because uh, Ravine was taking the fruit for quite some time. Yes, they were. Um, really good. Really good. But there is something about this site, and I don't know what it is, but it's, you know what? Uh, I think this is sort of Cap Franc and show place, and I think on good vineyards and good soil, um, it's, a, it's a rock star wine. I, I would say I, I still, to this day, like his 16 better from the Bacone. But, oh, they're both good. But I the mean, 15 is, is, is aged better than I thought it was going to, because when, yeah. I, when I tried the 15, I was like, it's good. And then I tried the 16, and I went, that's just a banger. So this 15 is uh, still a little on the smoky side for me. Uh, I find it, I, I find the oak is still quite present. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking, like, I'm just thinking just a lot of fruit, like, soaring through, and it's almost like, 
Like, like red licorice on the palate, which is weird because there's no sugar in this wine. Like it's no. bone dry. Yep. About red, I go more, more more black, but I'm also getting a lot of that oaky cedary note. Sure, um, that I, that I find here, but but that six, the, his sixteen, who just was so killer, yeah. just an absolute killer bottle, and so, this is just this is the precursor to it. Mm -hmm. So this is coming from so the Piconi Vineyard is in Vimont Ridge, which is at the top of the escarpment, and. This, it's one of the cooler zones. It has the fewest growing degree days, but it's a shorter sort of season as well because we don't have the moderating, because we're so far away from the lake, we don't have that moderating influence. So uh, often uh, you're picking the Piconi fruit a lot later than, than normal. Um, but what's really special about this vineyard is the fact that it's, it's some of the oldest Cap vines that are in Ontario. Like these vines were planted in 83, I think. Um, so we're talking at, at this point, they're 35 year old vines. It's, it's 38. I was born in 83. Okay. I'm very aware of my mortality <laughs> these days. But, um, you know, uh, it's just, uh, I think there's two or so acres there. I had, I did a, I've done a few walkthroughs of the vineyards, but you can just tell, um, I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name and I'm terrible for makes, not. Makes me wonder though, you know, cause she said it's a, it's a late hanger, late picker. Yeah. Like, I mean. Is it still hanging now? It looks like it's going to be a nice week in, in Niagara this That's week. Crazy. Sunny. I, mean, I haven't management. been in touch with Mark, so I don't know if he's picked his... But I mean, vineyard management this year is, is insane. Like It's just like, I, I, I don't know if I've said it on the on the podcast, but like at the beginning of August, we got some uh, some fruit from the fruit. Crispino Vineyard up at the top of Mine mm -hmm. Ridge what for Rosé. Oh. And, and we were told, like, you want six tons of fruit, no problem, six tons of fruit. Like, the, the crop yield looked very high. Mm -hmm. And then, like, two weeks of rain. Crop yield cut in half for us. Although it's strange because we talked to Craig McDonald last week, and I apologize to everyone for getting the podcast up late, but it did go up. Uh, we talked to Craig McDonald last week where he talked about how there's going to be a lot of fruit, which is why we need to get someone from a small winery to let us know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be we're getting somebody. I'm looking looking into getting a, a smaller winery and to talk about how this vintage has been. Because sure. a large vineyard, like a large producer like Craig, he's got a, what do you say, 100 vineyards to choose from. Whereas, you know, if you're... Well, I still yes. just, I remember fairly early on in Harvest, like when the rain first started to come in, Brian, Brian Schmidt from Vineland put a post up with like a hashtag that was throwing some shots at the, at the Pinot growers because like I, one of the reasons why I work with Pinot is because it ripens early. Like it's not just because I love Pinot and I do love Pinot, but from a business standpoint, being a tiny, tiny, tiny producer, I need to hedge my bets and I don't want to have to wait till November to harvest and take that risk with Pinot. It's less of a risk, but for Brian to throw that shot, I wonder, I wonder if he may be through a little bit of karma at us to why the rain hasn't stopped. Well, it seems I mean, not that we're looking it. for someone to blame, but I'm saying it stopped this week. So anybody who's hanging still, you might, I don't know if you're going to pick much up. Like the leaves are a little on the yellow side, but I mean, uh, you might pick up maybe a brick. If you're lucky. Yeah. All right. But. So, so Allison, according to you, since you are the Cap Franc expert, what is, what is the, the commonality and what is like the, the thing that makes the bench and the, the, uh, the non-escarpment side, the bench side Cabernet Franc, like what ties it together? What's the big Lebowski here? What's the rug that ties the room together? Well, it's, it's really the impact of the limestone. So basically we have in Niagara-on-the-Lake as well as Lincoln Lakeshore, we're dealing with a very different sort of soil system and, and bedrock. So we're on shale, uh, the Queenston Formation Red Shale, with Lincoln Lakeshore as well as, um, you know, Niagara River, St. David's Bench. Well, St. David's Bench has some escarpment influence there, but it also has the, the um, so basically this is the Lake Iroquois, the old Lake Iroquois sort of floor, if you will, 
And then we have glacial till soils, which is a combination of it can be more sandy or clay or silty depending on the on the site. But that's really what makes the difference here. Whereas these two, uh, the the boutique and then the uh, Piconi, were on the escarpment, so we have limestone as the impact as far as the bedrock here. So we call it Piconi, but we should mention the the producer of it is Fogelar, which I don't think we Thank mentioned. You. We no. kept calling it Piconi, but it is it is Mark Pistor, um, Mark Pistor, yeah. and his and his Fogelar. Correct. Uh, Allison, is this going to be on the quiz tomorrow? It is not going to be on the quiz. Oh, okay. damn. We're out on that one. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now we've done the bench. We're going to come a little bit further down. Is that where we're coming yeah, down? Yeah. You know what? Let's do, uh, let's do the South Brook. Let's talk. Well, we'll, st we'll stay on that sort of side of the, of the Welland Canal, and okay. we'll talk about the Lincoln Lakeshore and this other historic vineyard, uh, the Laundry Vineyard. And uh, Heather Laundry has been farming... Uh, this site, her family, Ooh. forever and ever and ever. And actually, it was Taz uh, who was taking the Cabernet Franc fruit from the laundry vineyard for forever. The better part of I think that's yeah, the 15 first or so. that I tasted where I just remember my mind being blown. Correct. And not really, I think it must have been like 2015 or no, wait, it would have been earlier than that. Like the 2012 or 20, I, I can't remember the specific vintage, but I just remember it. We talked about yep. muscular and elegant. It had those two traits to it, and it was just like, it was one of those wines where it's just like, oh my God, this is worth every penny I've paid for it. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it was actually 2018, I think was the first vintage that um, Anne and her team at Southbrook started to vinify the Cab Franc from the Laundry Vineyard. And um, really the distinguishing sort of piece about this vineyard. So Lincoln Lakeshore, it's a pretty big appellation, um, but because of how far... West, getting my directions, yes. Because of how far west it is, um, it is cooler, uh, so it doesn't have the same influence. West of, of where? West in terms of, you know, uh, west of the U.S., west of Niagara River, basically. Okay, so as we're good. moving west along the QEW, basically. Okay. Dory, <laughs> I'm, I'm just moving to Hamilton. I still, I, yeah. don't, I don't know which way is north anymore. It's wacky. I think you are, um, you are still the regular way. You have not, you have not gone under the lake. I believe you are, the north is still away from the lake. No, north is, north is the lake. Correct. So you're under the lake? Yes. In Hamilton. Hamilton's under the lake. Mm. Okay. Well, and I was messed up. Like when I go into Toronto to do work now and they're like, the, the, um, the doors are opening on yeah. the north side of the train. It's just like, is that? anyways. Yeah. I, no. I didn't mean to hijack this. Let's, let's keep talking about Lincoln Lakeshore. So the, the sort of particularities of this vineyard specifically is the, the soils are predominantly sand uh, in terms of that sandy loam. So there's a high percentage of sand in, this, in the soils. And for me, that gives this real sort of silkiness um, to Cab Franc and this definite, there's a definite perfume to this wine yeah, that is totally really overall, particular. Overall, and I think that is, uh, whereas this, uh, the Fogelar Vineyard, there's almost no sand in that topsoil. It's mostly clay. Uh, so there's a certain density to the to the Fogelar in terms of that Piconi Vineyard site, and then whereas this you have more sand and there's this sort of elegance, this perfume, um, and there's also a really uh, lovely kind of like like a blue fruited note that um, I remember when I met with Paul. It's more um, blue, like it's more like blackberry jam, I find. Yeah, a little blackberry, but I get the blueberry in it as well, and and that nice little floral note to yeah. it. So. A really, really uh, gorgeous expression of Cab Franc, and again, very distinctively kind of different from, you know, something like this, this that is coming from sort of this cooler site that is um, more clay sort of based. Definitely not, definitely not as muscular. Now we're looking at, you know, uh, different, different, completely different vintages, sure, 15, which is, a, which is a short, short right? crop and a good vintage. 
based on the winters that we had versus 18, which is a, a kind of a wet uh, vintage, kind of an average vintage. If well, 18, best. 18 was crazy hot summer, so actually, I'm still waiting to see how some of the early ripening varieties fare. Because I think it's fascinating that even for the seaward wines. Which ones? Which ones are those? The, white, the white grape that starts with C. Anyways, for those wines, Chenin Blanc. Even uh, do we do Chenin Blanc in Ontario? Not a lot of it. I, I think, think it all died in 2014. I don't think so. I remember Cave Spring had some Chenin, oh, yeah? but yeah, but they they got rid of it, right, which I is see. too bad because the Chenin was a really good wine. What, what now, it's it? nice that you bring up Chenin, Andre. That uh, yeah, you're not going to get me to say it. <laughs> you're not going to get me to say it. But what, the point I was just like, about to make though is like the how. The seaward, I almost said it, the seaward grape soaked up a lot of heat, and even wineries that are not known for using a lot of oak, it showed a lot of oak. I think the same thing with the Pinots. I think the 2017s and 2019s, frankly, are going to be ready to drink before the 2018s for the early ripening, but it's crazy just mm. how it's a, it's a story of two vintages. Like the Bordeaux varieties, um, I think, had a harder time in 2018 than things like Riesling and whatnot. So... Well, 18, as I, as I said, was a polar opposite of 17, right? Hot through the summer and then rainy vintage. Not as bad as 2021, but, but let's not get into that one again. <laughs> so so this is the, uh, I just saw you pour it, Windrush 2019 Correct. Jonathan Boyle Classic. So um, this uh, this Windrush, uh, John John Boyle is the the winemaker, and Windrush is actually located kind of Orangeville ish, yeah. um, and they are planting some vineyards up there. Uh, but this is coming from the Bach Vineyard, uh, which is in Saint David's Bench, and Saint David's Bench is a really interesting uh, sub appellation in the Niagara Peninsula. It's the warmest; it has the most growing degree days, uh, which would have been helpful in 2019. 2019 was a difficult vintage, cooler vintage, wetter vintage. Um, so they would have had the benefit of a little bit more warmth uh, here in particular. Very good I, for I thought, I thought 2019 was going to be like the, the worst vintage I'd seen in probably my entire career. <laughs> and, then, but, uh, and then 2021 happened. Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> hold my beer, says 2021. Um, Let me show you how bad things can get. But it's cool. Though. Like Some of the wines from 2019 that come out are, like there, there's some good stuff sure. already starting to come out from mm -hmm. 2019. Yeah, it's um, the whites were really good. The aromatic whites were fantastic because that uh, that great searing acidity that mm -hmm. you that you'd want with food and stuff. So exactly, uh, I, I I think there may be a, this wine might be slightly faulted. Like I'm getting something on, I don't know, it might be a hit of VA or Brett or maybe a touch. There there is something there that's um, and then you and you catch it also on the back palate. So sorry, Allison. I mean, you, you didn't make it right, <laughs> and uh, who knows? But um, yeah. So the final wine, uh, the big, the big daddy uh, that we're gonna talk about today. So this is uh, the Two Sisters 2017 uh, Cabernet Franc, and this is their vineyards are Niagara River. So Niagara River is it literally hugs the Niagara River, um, and it is again uh, one of the warmer microclimates. So basically, we have Four Mile Creek, which is the big Appalachian in Niagara on the Lake. Uh, this is sort of where all the sunshine is and all the ice wine production and, and like that is the workhorse of, of Niagara-on-the-Lake. And it tends to be, it depends on, it's, it's honestly, Four Mile Creek is too big of an appellation. There's too many variables as far as those different sort of uh, nuances as far as the climate. But uh, nevertheless, uh, Niagara River is this really thin strip of vineyards that literally hug Niagara River. And it's second to St. David's bench in terms of heat units and growing degree days. Um, and two sisters, um, uh, in terms of what they're doing, and Adam, uh, 
fantastic winemaker. Yeah, and really uh, his, He's got the right fruit for it, too. Wow. He, um, well, obviously, we haven't ta we're talking all reds here, but his Blanc de Franc sparkling is an outstanding uh, wine. And he really has a, a way with Cabernet Franc. And um, I appreciate, while this style of Cab Franc is probably not the one that I would typically gravitate to because it is a little bit more bold, um, I appreciate its sort of existence as far as the conversation with regards to Cabernet Franc and its uh, ability to be, it can be juicy and elegant and fresh and, and uh, you know, have those, that finesse, but at the same time, it can also produce a fuller bodied style of red as well. Um, do, do you think, this is, this do you is think this full is, body is, is this typical? Like, okay. I, I love Adam's winemaking. I, I love what Two Sisters does and that Two Sisters exists. And from a marketing standpoint, I love that we have people who are pushing the envelope in terms of people trying to elevate Ontario wine in general. That being said, I, I know there's no wizardry or like, I mean, I'm sure if Adam was here on the podcast, he wouldn't fudge the truth about anything that happens in the cellar for making the wine. But he has a lot of tools at his mm -hmm. disposal that make sure that not a single drop of underripe wine get there, even more than Brian Schmidt and mm -hmm. his optical right. sorter. This, this thing is, is, when, is big and ballsy. So, and so the question I just want to ask then is, when you have that many tools at your disposal, are you still making a wine that tastes like the region, even mm. though it says VQA Niagara River on it? Or is it your tools and your tool belts who are doing it? It's a great question. And honestly, um, with any grape variety, as much as... Riesling and Pinot Noir and Chardonnay can all, I said the C word, uh, can all show... You're, uh, you're allowed. It's Andre. You can. <laughs> uh, can all show place. Um, uh, you can't deny the fact that there is winemaker influence with all of these wines. And um, so is it still the same place? It's hard to, it's hard to say. Um, and that kind of requires a deeper, deeper study of the sites and sort of Vintage after vintage, which, you doing, done which I have not what? had the time to do yet. Well, does Niagara even have the history? I mean, it's it's, it's the thing I've, I've been reflecting on with with. I have five vintages under my belt now, and I couldn't tell you that because every vintage has been so different. Sure, I couldn't tell you whether it's the soil, or the site, or the weather, or the wine. Because I've worked with two different winemakers with my tiny little company now. I, I, I couldn't tell you which factor has the biggest influence over sure. what my wine tastes like. Well, this, this two sisters and, and, is... And I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Like, is, has Niagara been around long enough? Like, Do you think even someone no. like, like Thomas would be able to no. come in here no, and, and, and say that that, that Thomas, common line lies? Thomas will fake it, but he, yeah. I don't think Thomas would fake anything. But Thomas will fake it until he makes it. I think there are, like, Boutique is a great example. Pacconi Vineyard, Laundry Vineyard. These are some good examples of sites that are showing very strong promise as a clear marker for a place. I'll say that when I tasted uh, this laundry vineyard from, from Southbrook for the first time, it I was literally floored because I had the, the marker of the Taz version of the laundry vineyard yeah. in my head. And as soon as I tasted this, it was like, holy shit, swear jar. Um, <laughs> you know the rules. <laughs> But really, um, I was blown away because the site really came through for me and as somebody that loved the laundry vineyard from Taz. Um, so, yes, winemaking obviously comes into play and, and you can't deny that, that fact. But I think a good quality vineyard will, will shine through um, even all those, those tricks for well, sure. I, I, like the two sisters, I tasted that one and I, I got a lot of um, similarities between that and Lately. Uh, Derek oh, Brainette's yeah. winemaking. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's also oh, Niagara yeah. River. 
So I was like, wow, you know, it's got that muscular, it's got that lots yep. of tobacco, lots of dark fruit. I don't think and I ever again, remember Derek's wine having this, like, this cassis back when I don't ever, I don't remember Derek's it. wines having this alcohol. In a, in a, in a vintage like 2017, it would, uh, it would be more muscular. Mm -hmm. And I, I consider 17, uh, because of the way it ended, more of a hot vintage. Yeah. Uh, remember we're talking to Craig McDonald. Yep. He said there's always that one vintage in 10 that's just, just a wacko vintage. And I think that's where we come into 17. Yep. It's a wacko vintage. You get a good vintage or you get a bad vintage or you get a mediocre vintage. Oh, I, but this is a, that's a wacko vintage. And and I and I think you you in, in those wacky vintages, which which end really well, and we get a lot of that you know structured fruit. You get a lot of structured wine, you, and yeah, it's kind of that Derek mm -hmm. Barnett style of mm -hmm. Cabernet Franc that's got that power yet elegance, and yep. you know that this wine is still got ten years oh on my it gosh. easily, and you're and, and you could store it in the cellar, and you'd be like. I'm not worried about that one. I don't think it has anyway. ten years. I don't think it has ten years oh, for. Sure. Uh, okay, I don't think it has ten years for the way I like to store wine. For I, the way I you think. Drink. I think it's. I think in about five years it's going to really start to show some oh, secondary. Five years, great. Yeah. I think that that tannin is is going to hold on for a long ass time because of of winemaking choice. I think it's going to be tough to find that balance of keeping the fruit fresh and having the tannin fall off. I think in 2030 you'd be very surprised at how good that wine. I think in 2030, it's going to start to taste like baseball glove. And mm -hmm. I know that's going to be great for some people, but it's not going to be for me. All right. You, you disagree. I'm okay with that. What do I, I know? Mm, yeah. I, I think the, I don't think the tannins are as intense on this wine as they appear. Um, in terms of, I, I think right now there's a lot of fruit there that kind of needs to be kind of relaxed and, yeah. and, and shed. Um, no. I, and it's got it's got a nice tobacco note too, which I always associate with Cabernet Franc. And it's sorry, I just a, don't want my fruit to relax too much. Yeah, see, and and I for I me, do. I would like this to have at least five more years on it because I think that fruit needs to settle settle down. Yeah. Five years is where um, I'd hit it. But it's very similar, you know. I just had the like I had Craig's uh, the two shale from Trius. Or red, red shale, excuse shale, me, yeah. red shale from. You had uh, two red shales in the same night. Which I, is why you don't I know. Remember it. I got it. Um, but yes, I had the red shale from from uh, Trius, and there's a lot of similarities between the the twenty seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen, same vintage, but again, there was that beautiful sunny fall. Um, and if you look at even the boutique, as much as this is a cooler sort of more elegant finesse-driven style, this also doesn't have a lot of green on it. No, it doesn't. No. So there's similarities in terms of those sort of this vintage. That, that, being, that being said, and, and this is, I, I just, I need to put the asterisk behind it because I think it's something I've mentioned on the podcast before is I, I do love the fact that there's a movement towards being less involved in the winemaking and, and just kind of letting nature take, take its course. But at the same time, I think it'd be foolish as business owners and as people who are making the wine to ignore the fact that technology exists. And I think Brian does a really good job of walking the line of being oh, yeah. in the vineyard, taking care of them, but at the same time needing to make wine on, on, on scale. So when I'm mentioning that what Adam does at Two Sisters, he has a lot of tools in his tool belt. I'm not taking away from the fact that that the, this wine is excellent because it is excellent. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not as bothered as other people are about manipulative winemaking as long as it's not deceptive in its marketing. If you're honest about how the wine is made, fill your boots. Tell me how you did it, but but don't show up at my house or don't let me show up at your tasting room and have you lie to me about what it is or at least fudge the truth about how it is sure. you got in your bottle what went in your bottle true enough there i know that's kind of a separate thing but it's just tasting these wines from different producers and different styles and like going from mark Pistor yep. to brian schmidt to ann sperling mm -hmm. to adam pierce like i we we definitely have a lot of 
really, really good winemakers on yeah. this table. All of them have a very, very different approach. But, to but, they but do. very, very in interesting in the in the cooler vintages like eighteen and nineteen versus those riper vintages like fifteen and seventeen. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm really liking the riper vintages. Um, I really I find a little. I I know, I know the laundry is a very lovely wine. Very, I know we're not supposed to say feminine in nature, but it is feminine in nature. But it also has slight green notes that that I really don't want in my cab franc. The thing is, I love the green notes in, in Cab Franc, and I think it comes down to, and I also think it's fascinating too how like your, your culinary influence and what it is you like to eat and drink sure. affect it, and coming from Saskatchewan, it's been a while since I've said that, since I've said that no, on the podcast. But, but he's but using a spittoon from Saskatchewan, so. Eating, uh, yeah, we're spitting in, in our Darien Durant glasses uh, from the, <laughs> one of their, I think their championship season. Anyways, um, but like coming from a place where, you know, winter means a lot of stewed meats, a lot of braised beef, sure. uh, you know, my dad hunting for venison and things like that. And it's just something about having those that pyrazine, those savory notes to complement what goes into into a stew, like the bay leaf and like some of those sure. more subtle savory notes. And it's just like when I get a, a more elegant and a capronk with some pyrazine, like mm -hmm. that's something that I like not too much. It's got to have like the it's like bay leaf. Like it's got to have a little. And bit. Alice, what is your thoughts on on pyrazine? Should it be there? Should it not be there? Are you looking for it? You're not looking for it? I'm always looking for it. Um, always, because Cab Franc is not Cab Franc unless there is a, a kiss of, of the pyrazines or pyrazines or however you want to pronounce it. Um, and I, I approach that green herbal, you know, when I'm talking about Cab Franc in, in terms of my, my posts and, and videos, what I'm sort of alluding to is either a Cab Franc is going to be fruit forward or it's going to be more savory. And it kind of leans one way or the other. And it's just a question of how those purazines kind of come through, uh, whether it's obviously in some instances, it's, it's bell pepper, it's weeds in some instances. And that's typically when it's not great. Uh, and then in other instances, you will get rosemary, mint, you'll get bay leaf, you'll get and you cedar. Those, and you consider those pyrazines. Those are, yep. those are sort of, sort of, evolutions of purazine. So okay. tobacco, right. green tobacco, cured tobacco, um, moss, wet leaves, like all of those things kind of are, are versions of the, the pyrazines coming through. And it's just a question of whether they lead or whether they kind of take a backseat, in my opinion. Um, but Cab Franc without it is, uh, I don't Cab think, so. is, <laughs> well, yeah. is well, you know, it's funny. I'm going to go back to those two sisters. Well, like, like, like Allison, this thing I've noticed about like Napa, Napa Cab Franc. And I've been lucky enough to taste a, a hand, and actually I have a Napa Cab Franc from the Tokolon Vineyard in my cellar that I'm, mm -hmm. I'm happy to have. But the reason I love it isn't because it's like Cab Franc, it's because it's really, really good wine. I don't know, maybe we could get to it tonight. It could be one of those nights. But it's just, the thing I love about that wine isn't that it, it's Cab Franc, it's that it's really good wine. But if someone told me that that was an example of Cab Franc, I just find that that heat in the Napa Valley destroys the varietal characteristic of Cabernet Franc. So what's the Parisian note here that you get in the uh, in the Two Sisters, which I find... I think I can find some. I, I find it as tobacco, but what yep. do you find? There, there's also, there's an herbal undertone. Like I'm getting like a little bit, oh, actually bay leaf is very particular, um, even a little bit of a rosemary kind of thing. But there is a distinctive sort of herbal undertone that's just sort of hiding there in the in the background. But for sure tobacco is there as well. I, I found a little bit of clove as well. Yep. So I don't know if clove would be... From the grapes, well, though I think clove would be more from the barrel, I would wouldn't think, it? Uh, not necessarily. Cap Franc is okay. a spicy variety, <laughs> um, but no, actually, there's a great what wine. What do we know? A great winemaker in 
so I'll tell the story. Uh, there's a great winemaker in South Africa, uh, Brewer Rats, who I had a great conversation with back in, it was almost a year ago now, and he is a huge proponent of Cabernet Franc in South Africa, and he basically described the variety to me as, he says, it's the elegance of Burgundy, it's the spice of the Rhone, the structure of Bordeaux, and that's why he loves it so much, is because it kind of combines all of these elements together. So there is an inherent spiciness to Cab Franc, and I try to pick out, sometimes it's black pepper, sometimes it's clove, sometimes it's cinnamon. It sort of depends on, again, it depends on the, where it's coming from and warm climate, cool climate, what have you. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, that clove could definitely be barrel. It could also be something else. We don't know. <laughs> All right. And with that, let's close this off before we make jerks of ourselves by saying other things like that. No, I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating to learn and, and, and discuss. It's just like, I, I appreciate you coming on just to help us keep unpacking the grape. You know, actually, you know what? Can I ask one more, one more question no. before we get to the no. the chump? No, you're not allowed. No, no, no. This is, I think this is an important one because Allison, like you, you've chosen Cabernet Franc for your, your and I, th- I probably asked this to you last time. If I, if I did, just like tell me to shut up. No, let's, just like, to, let's do it anyway. I think it's fun to tell Andre to is, shut is, up. Is, uh, well, you know, actually, here, I, I know how to frame the question differently. Sorry, just collecting my thoughts. It takes a while because... The train's got to come back to the station. And that's yeah. it. Um, is there anyone that you think, uh, other than Brian Schmidt, who is doing a good job at convincing people to drink more Ontario Cab Franc? And think, are, there, are there any lists in the city or, or sommeliers that are really leading the charge to be like, okay, Chardonnay and Pinot, because, I mean, that's what the psalms in the city are really you know, yeah. losing their minds over, but is there anyone who's just like, you know, no, no, let's, let's try Cabernet Franc. Like, where's the change going to happen? Oh, that's a good question. And honestly, um, actually one of the things that I kind of wanted to sort of conclude on anyway, as far as all of these wines and, and the conversation today is the fact that as a variety in Ontario, we can see very clearly that there is a myriad of styles that uh, it can produce, whether you prefer something that's light and juicy and crunchy, or you like something that's bigger and bolder. And my hope is that folks like Brian, myself, um, Mark, uh, Anne is a big proponent, uh, Paul Pender from Taz, that all of our voices kind of combined can start to remind, like sort of drip by drip, tell people that Cab Franc is something to be paying attention to. I do think that it is, you know, it's not a starlet like Pinot is. Uh, I know that people are really go gamay go uh, but as far as i'm concerned if you've had cru beaujolais niagara gamay doesn't hold a candle like to cru beaujolais like it's uh, we need, we need more people working with it and shiraz is on the right track yeah shiraz is doing a good job shiraz is the king of gamay and, and you I get think, and you I get, think, and you I get, think you thomas get, is doing a pretty he's you get starting to get his way but you get what i think is thomas thomas isn't doing it in the full beaujolais style and he'll be the first to admit it no, because but he I, I like what he's doing with it he um and he said he doesn't have the resources to do carbonic maceration, which I think is, is necessary on top of getting good extraction to make crew quality Beaujolais. But like even then you get kind of whispers of it, like even 13th Street where it's it's good year in and year out, but not great. I guess we maybe need to have you on to, to do the Gamay showdown no, and we can... No, uh, no, 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 that's not my forte. Um, <laughs> no, but I agree. That's I agree. more fun then. I agree with what you, what you said, but I don't think we're as far away from crew quality Beaujolais as people would think, but... I think you're also right in Cabernet Franc. We are light years ahead of where Gamay can and should be. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think we're as far as we should be with Cab Franc. I think, yeah. I agree. That's what I agree. I think. I think we dropped the ball on Cab Franc long ago, but we had that conversation. Also. Yeah, we did. We did. And I think, you know, there are Psalms in throughout 
the the province and all over. And I'm seeing them, you know, and I'm meeting them sort of through my. How many have gotten 100 percent on your quizzes? <laughs> Still it's funny, the people that tend to get 100% are not the people you would think to get 100%. Oh, I've seen the list. Uh, Some of them are exactly the people that I, I thought would get 100% <laughs> on your quiz. Um, but anyway, Chris Chris Roman uh, messaged me the other day. and She was like, are these all MWs that get 100%? I'm like, no. Like, oh, these Sean, are just Sean like... Cozy, <laughs> like mild-mannered vineyard owner in Prince Edward County, who I don't think has any Cab Franc planted. I think yeah, he's these a, are just nerds that appreciate knowledge and But a mild-mannered nerd, too. I never knew he was that much of a nerd. Um, it happens. But really, we, need some, we do need some more voices to, to get behind the variety so that, uh, so that more of these wines can... Holy crap, Pinkus Pink just gave us the wrap-it-up It's wrap-it-up time. <laughs> I want to get to the stump the chump. I'm really looking forward to it. We are joined today by Allison Sloot of Cab Franc Chronicles. Tune in to her Instagram account every Wednesday for the impossible quiz, and hopefully one day... <laughs> You will also reach the 100% club, although I think I'm pretty vocal when I'm in the 0% club, TQ. And, 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 in, um, and as a fellow uh, a, a video producer, I guess, when does your video come out? Uh, you make videos it, too? It, it seems like it's a feel like when you, whenever, it, whenever you want. No, actually, I post a video every Sunday, generally. It is Sunday. Okay. Every Sunday, right. yes, is okay. when I post a video. And then there's other stuff in between there. So. Got it. I'm Andre Prue from underwriterview.ca. Um, follow me on social media at Andre Wine Review and patreon.com slash two guys talking wine. We appreciate the support. doesn't take much to keep this podcast going, but uh, every dollar helps. So it's the end of the year. And if you really want to make our Christmas merry, think about helping us out on Patreon. Stuff something in our stocking. I think Wait, put that in the square jar, Michael. That doesn't sound quite right, did it? I'm Michael Pincus of Michael Pincus, uh, The great guy on some social media, Michael Pincus on others, but I'm always there. As always, thank you, Allison, for joining us. It was a she will be joining us again to see if she can pick out some really neat stuff on Stump the Chum. Andre, as usual, thanks for hosting, and good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes. This episode of Two Guys Talking Wine was produced by Jim Ray and Adam Duran. <laughs>